Hey guys, it's Phil Better jumping in just before the episode to let you know that this isn't a regular episode for the Phil Better Show. This is a very special episode. It's the second annual Podmates Presents Are You Alright, Mate? A world discussion on mental health. If you guys don't know that October 10th is the World Mental Health Day. So every year a group of podcasters get together and we discuss uh, how mental health has affected us. So I'm just going to throw it over to my pal Maisie and she's going to let you guys know more about it. Thanks. Hello there, Maisie here just dropping in at the beginning of the episode to say thanks for taking the time to listen to You OK Mate, time to talk about mental health made by the Podmates for World Mental Health Day. What you're about to listen to is various hosts of podcasts, some of which you've never spoken to each other before, opening up to each other about their own experiences with mental health, which I'm sure you'll see isn't always easy to do. But it affects everyone, whether you're going through a rough patch or have a diagnosis, and it's important to talk about it. And we hope you find something to take away from our conversations and inspire you to start your own. And now remember, we're far from experts, we're just trying to work through our own issues. Now, it's time to talk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second annual podcast for mental health, uh, Podmates Are You Alright? I am, of course, Phil Better, the moderator for the North American tour that we're doing today. Um, today, I have uh, Will to the left of me and Stephen to the right of me, and I'm the Joker stuck in the middle. So I'm going to give it to Will. He's going to do a quick introduction, then we'll go over to Steven, and then we'll we'll start talking about mental health. So, uh, Will? My name is Will. Up Curry. to you. I have been struggling with depression for a number of years now. I have been, you know, in the entertainment industry, you know, doing stand-up, things like that. Uh, so it's prevalent in the industry. Um, so it's affected a lot of relationships that I've had, uh, you know, within the industry and, and outside of the industry with my family, you know, dating life, things of that nature. Awesome, awesome. Great to have you. Uh, this is your first time, obviously, doing the Podmates Are You All Right uh, pot, massive podcast that we do every year for uh, mental health. And I want to thank you for coming forward to join us on the uh, podcast. Uh, Stephen, uh, why don't you give yourself a quick introduction for the folks listening? Well, uh, if anybody knows my name, you might know my podcast, Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. Uh, I do a lot of stuff on YouTube outside of the podcast. Uh, as far as mental health, it uh, I don't think it's some, anything that I really accepted until recently that I, I had a problem with. And I guess as it became more commonplace to discuss it and to talk about it, it became I became more aware of it. So uh, I'm I'm actually happy to be talking about it here and and possibly helping others grasp and understand what they're going through as well. Yeah. Um, so of course, ladies and gentlemen, this is part uh, one of a two parters. We have our colleagues over in Europe who are doing their podcast. It's obviously you can find the links in the show notes down below. I would highly suggest you go over and you listen to their version of what's going on. We are doing the North American version so uh, of this podcast, um, which is obviously going to be different because we have different uh, 
different ways that we deal with mental health here. Um, I'm taking it from the Canadian point of view. Both uh, Stephen and Will are in the United States, as well as if you listen a bit later, you will hear uh, two other colleagues, our friend Tony and our friend Jacob, both from different podcasts who will be uh, joining on a bit later in the podcast. But first, we're going to start with uh, us three discussing how mental health uh, actually affects us, uh, each of us differently. Um, so, Will, uh, why not? I'm just going to hand the floor to you if you want to discuss how it, the ment- uh, your mental health has been affected by either your location, uh, your jobs, different things like that. Uh, it's definitely been affected by my... Um by my location and my jobs. Uh, I live in the northeastern Pennsylvania area, uh, which is, for those who aren't familiar, it's the Scranton area. Um, you know, Scranton, Wilkesbury, uh, you know, Pocono area. Uh, and it was actually ranked, um, I think Scranton was ranked, uh, if not the top area, it was de- definitely ranked in like, like number five or something like that for a most depressing area to actually live in. Um, so it definitely, uh, definitely goes hand in hand with those two, um, with my career, you know, and so there's this stigma around, you know, mental health. Um, a lot of people just don't talk about it. Uh, I didn't know exactly what I had, you know, growing up as far as having depression, um, cause I suffered for quite some time and I just didn't understand or realize what was happening to me. Um, so I started to isolate myself a lot from people that, you know, cared about me and I just didn't really do anything about it. I didn't, um, understand what was happening. So I I had these moments where I would go hermit mode and I would just kind of disappear because I felt like, you know, I had to do that. I felt like I was a burden a lot of the time and it just made things so difficult, um, to socialize. And I I found it very hard to go out and socialize or get out of bed to actually go to work. So it definitely affected a lot of things that I did. Um, so it just, you know, it just affected so many of my relationships and just, you know, it wasn't intentional. Nothing that I I ever did was ever intentional when it came to how I reacted to things, how I, you know, would go in and out of, you know, socializing. So that's like one of the biggest things with um, being depressed is that people think that you can just go off and, and be happy and then you think about things and everything will be okay. okay. So it's, it's just one of those things where you just, you learn to go through the ebbs and flow, you know, the ebbs and flow of everything. And it's just so difficult. It's very difficult to... Um, to continue with depression sometimes because it just, it wears you down. So a lot of my relationships, um, suffered as a result of that. Um, so, you know, just going, going with the flow with everything has just been very difficult to, to continue to do. So that's just been my experience. Okay. And, uh, how, how long did it take you to realize that, uh, your depression that you had, you, you needed help. Like, cause I know growing up as a guy and I don't know about you, Steven, or you will, but w- we were always told like, suck it up. You're a man. Like men don't mm-hmm. cry. We don't have feelings. We only have hunger, anger, and horniness. That's like the only things we're allowed to feel in our life. And for a long time, I actually kept all my emotions bottled up and it actually hurt me. But I'm, I'm curious for you. How, when did, when did you finally realize like, 
okay, this is messed up. I need, I need to get help because this isn't good. I realized that I needed help um, when I was struggling with work, um, just a bunch of different things. Uh, and on top of that, I was drinking like half a bottle of Jack Daniels a day. Um, something crazy like that. Uh, so one day I just decided to, um, go to a therapist to explain, you know, what was happening with me. And when I did that, um, he decided to, uh, get me 302'd, which is basically, um, you know, when you end up in the hospital, you end up in a loony bin, um, you know, uh, with a bunch of other people that are struggling with their mental illness. Um, and there's different levels to being actually uh, 302. Uh, you know, there's different uh, sub levels to where you are in as far as where you're going to be in the hospital. So once I realized what the problem was with that and I, you know, I got the proper treatment, you know, being on antidepressants and, and, uh, going through that whole situation, um, definitely changed me in ways that I couldn't imagine. Um, so I work on it every day, every single day. I'm, I'm conscious of what I do, what I say, um, just so that I'm aware of, you know, what it is that I'm struggling with. And it's very, very difficult to, you know, to deal with it at times, but I, I manage every okay. day. Um, yeah, that, even even when you were explaining that you were you, you went to the hospital you you even used what could be seen as like derogatory language like the loony bin like that's what it's always been called it's not called a mental health hospital it's like oh crap i'm going to go to the loony bin i don't want to go to the the you know the the psych ward or anything like that there's always this like there's this big negative connotation with mental health like and it seems like thankfully it's becoming more and more uh, demystified by groups like NAMI and uh, the, uh, the government's trying to help people realize like, yo, this, the, this way of thinking, this way of life, like bottling up everything isn't good. And I'm, I'm one, I'm glad that you're currently and still getting help for your, your depression. And you realize that going and talking with someone was beneficial, even though you got, what's the term that you use? The 306? Uh, 302. 302 you got 302 or at least brought in to so for your for your safety um i'm just going to jump over to the steven and see uh what what when did you or what it was what is your relationship with mental health it it goes back a long time and i think it's a lot longer than i realize because i, I guess using this as an example of of trying to pinpoint a good portion of time, how long it's been. Uh, during my first marriage, I had what I was considered to be anger issues. You know, I was always angry and irate about things, and I got convinced that I was just an angry person. And I, I never could quite figure out why. I never could pinpoint it to anything. And, of course, it was just constantly being told you well you're just an angry person you're just doing this all the time and you you get kind of that mindset that that's the type of person you are you don't want to be that person but you don't know how to change and it wasn't until years later after my divorce and I wound up finally going to a therapist because I guess it was I, I had finally hit rock bottom and I was like I've got to know what's going on in my life 
because it wasn't just anger. It wasn't just this sadness and, and, and feeling uh, despair about everything or apathy. So I went to a therapist and really started to talk out a lot of these feelings and realized, thanks to the therapist, I didn't have anger issues. I was angry because I was so uh, compromising to everything. And I kept sacrificing my own happiness for everybody else, trying to make everybody else happy. And then it just made me feel bad and, and, and unfulfilled so that when things wouldn't happen a certain way, everybody else was getting better and happier. And I was just left over here in this corner. And it really started to put perspective on things. And then I started taking a look at other elements. The therapist walked me through a lot of different ideas and concepts about mental health that I had never thought about before. Because you get stuck in a routine. Well, that's who I am. You know, you get told enough times, well, you just got anger issues. That's what you take to heart and you're just like well that's me but that's not the case and uh, the therapist really helped me understand a lot of different angles and a lot of different aspects about why I feel certain ways like why am I always craving uh, attention from my parents you know like looking for their acceptance because they're good people but maybe they didn't quite give me what I was looking for as a kid you know I'm always trying to to improve on things that I'm doing and always trying to to reach for something that seems unattainable and it's because there are these things that I never got as a kid and it's just kind of filtered through into my life along with other common things like depression and, and anxieties like I'll be honest with you I, I was trying to figure out a way out of this podcast uh, mere hours ago because the anxiety was just too much but I talked myself through it because I'm like, I've got to stop running from these things because something doesn't sound appealing to me in the moment because I'm anxious about it. Well, first of all, thank you for coming on. It's it's great to hear different uh, uh, different people having different um, involvement with mental health. Involvement is obviously the wrong word, but language is uh, leaving me today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's important, like to like i'm i'm currently in a depressive state um broke up with my girlfriend a few months ago um thought i was fine didn't really work out well and i'm i'm trying to get my way through it and i kind of i i'm scared like will you mentioned that you were scared to talk to someone in case they cart they uh they uh 502 you um i'm scared of that too like i'm scared because if i do have a history of mental illness in my family my my brother is, uh was diagnosed over 10 years ago with paranoid schizophrenia his was a somewhat drug induced paranoid schizophrenia uh through his talk he's doing amazing now he's med compliant and all that sees his therapist and he's doing amazing but i'm scared that if i go see someone that i may be 50 you know, uh, brought to the to the uh 302. 302, thank you. The Canadian version of a 302, I have no idea what it is. Um, but I'm scared that that's going to happen to me because of the like the state of mind that I'm in. And like every day, it's, it's, it's a constant battle. Like I need to go to work. And obviously, work doesn't help because I'm dealing actually with a situation now at work, which will put me at odds with my management. <laughs> so like I'm 
trying to actually work that through as well as deal with the 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 situation with the breakup so it's it's really hard and like we're not supposed to as guys we're not supposed to be dealing with all the through society and i'm using air quotes we shouldn't be dealing with this because we're supposed to be just simple like low level emotional creatures but we're not we're we have the full range of all the emotions that uh, uh, the females go through or the gender genders go through so it's and i still have sometimes that mental block that says no you're a man you don't need to go see something you can do it on your own you can figure it out all by yourself and obviously everybody needs help and i'm really glad that we're we're doing this podcast because this actually i know i have to see someone i know i have to see someone it's just i'm scared to Mm -hmm. be honest i'm just i'm scared because i i don't know how far it goes and how i know there's a lot of work to go to do i realize that i'm just scared to do it i think the biggest fear that i had and this may be part of your your fear that you're having as well is you're afraid of what you're going to find out about yourself yeah because the therapist will will help you dig through it but you don't know what it's going to be and i yeah i was in the same boat i was terrified because i you don't know what they're going to say. They could tell you, yeah, you, you got to go to the loony bin and yeah, you're nuts. You're just kind of left hanging, wondering what the doctor is going to tell you is wrong. And it might actually confirm some of your own fears. So yep. yeah, I get that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried as well because for my brother, I'm a, like a, a rock for him. And it's like, I don't want to show that I have a crack in me that he can't depend on me, even though I know he has my, this, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother-in-law, like he can depend on, but for some reason he just, he gravitates towards me and we have this, a, a newfound uh, connection as brothers since his, his, me- the, the start of his mental illness. And I'm worried that it's going to affect my mom, my dad. Like I'm, like it's not just me I'm scared for I'm scared for my immediate family like I don't want I'm not scared that there there's going to be stigma cuz already dealing with my brother with his mental illness my mom my my family doesn't care about the stigma it's just I don't want them to feel like they failed like I don't want my mom and my dad to be like wow we have two children with like major mental illnesses like maybe there's something wrong with us and then that starts going down a route for my mom and my dad. And that's, I'm scared for that. That if it confirms that I also have a mental illness, you know, like, so it's, I'm worried or I'm just worried about that. And I'm scared to confirm that. And it reflect badly on my parents. Cause for my whole life, it was like, my parents are these gods, like for some kids. And Mm. I don't want, them to feel like they failed like i i go ahead no no uh, either one of you guys go ahead um the problem with that with you feeling like you have to be some sort of rock to your brother or you know be seen in this light with uh your parents you know with them being proud of you and and seeking you know some some form of validation that you need and that whole situation. And what I find with a lot of people that are going through depression is that um, we are definitely people pleasers. We definitely look to 
being seen in a certain light where we, we just help other people and we, we don't even bother to help ourselves. And that's why our mental, you know, state just goes to crap um, because we're so concerned about helping people and being, you know, having some sort of validation um, when it comes to our parents and things like that. So that's usually what happens. Um, and I feel like you shouldn't look at it in that light where you're like, oh, you know, um, my parents have to be proud of me. Um, my brother has to to gravitate towards me because he's going to gravitate towards you anyway, because you're, you're his brother. And, you know, with this thing, you'll have something in common with him, even if you're not OK. Oh, I can. Yeah. I, I know I, I'm a people's pleaser, like 100 percent of the. I can, I know I am. So <laughs> I know it's like, I, I want to please my parents. I want to make sure they're proud of me, even though they tell me constantly that they're proud of me. But it's for me, I'm looking in, in my eyes. I'm like, I'm, I'm 33, going to be 34 next month. And I don't have a serious relationship. I, my career kind of have one, but depends on how you define a career like compared to my father and my mother at this age my dad had three kids had a very successful career in insurance and i'm like and he had a house and i'm like well i i have an apartment and that's about it you know like i uh, it's hard because you compare yourself to your idols and for me my father's always been always been an idol for me so I compare myself to him constantly and it's like, well, I'm, I'm not anywhere close to where he is, you know, where he was at his, his point. Like if we compared from, from my life to his life. So like, it's, it's hard. And I, I don't want to seem like I disappointed them, even though I know fully, fully that if, if I did like show that, yes, I have depression or I have some sort of mental illness, they'll be like, they'll be proud of me that I I've gotten the help I need. But at the same time, I feel like I've let them down. Well, I'll add a, a bit of perspective on this because I, I will say that granted, I, I'm sure every kid wants to make their parents happy and, and whatnot. And it's, it's part of it. I mean, granted, I want to make sure that as a father that I'm being the best I can for my kids and that they can be proud of me. But, I'd say a lot of what I've done, I can I can see my faults. I can see the problems that I've I've caused or, or may have caused. That's that's all relative to our I guess our mental state at the times. Like, well, I screwed this up or I didn't do this right. So I'd say all parents feel like that they've done something wrong at some point. And I would even say that as I was kind of digging through a lot of the mental issues that I have had over the years, the therapist did kind of point out certain things like with, with a lot of the the videos and stuff that I do for my YouTube, the, the first people I'll take them to is my parents. And I'm just like, Hey, take a look. And if I don't get a certain reaction out of them, I guess somewhere in my head is like, well, they don't care. And the, the therapist kind of talked me through that. And he's like, so why don't you talk to him about that? Why don't you tell them about that? So I wrote them letters just to, I mean, not just about that, but I'm just talking way, going way back because my parents were good people, but there are things that you can look at and be like, well, this my father did that and my mother did that. So somewhere in my healing process, I was like, I've got to just be open and honest about what I feel is has happened or what's gone wrong. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm perfect by any means as far as a parent goes. I've made the same mistakes they have. But 
if you're worried about them feeling like failures, I guarantee you they probably already do. At some point in their life, they've, they've felt like they've let you down, they've done something wrong. And if they've not done anything wrong, all you can continue to do is just enforce that. But there may be something that they have done that you don't really realize. And, and I didn't realize it until I started writing letters. I was like, well, what about this? And what about that? And it's not trying to place blame. It's just trying to heal what problems you have in hopes that you can do it together. I guess is what I'm trying. Hopefully I'm not all over the place here, but that's that's what I was trying to kind of get at is it's it's good to kind of talk to them about it as well and not really concern too much about feeling like you're going to let them feel like they've been a disappointment in some way or have done something wrong because I, I can promise you they, they felt like that at some point before and you may not even realize it. It's good to have a parent's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm childless, so I don't know what it's like to be a parent. Um, oh, and and don't feel bad about being 34 and and not married. My my brother is 42 and just recently got married and is now talking about kids. So you got plenty of time, buddy. <laughs> Honestly, you're doing okay. I'm 32 and I'm divorced, so you're <laughs> yeah, doing yeah, yeah. just fine, bro. Yeah. Um. No, it's you know what this is probably the the most honest i've been regarding my current situation with anybody and it's weird because it's it's on a podcast it's not with friends it's not with family it's with technically two strangers i know steven we've we've talked before uh Mm -hmm. you were a guest on my podcast so like we've talked again but will you're this is the first time we're talking um and it's i i guess it's just that idea that if you're talking with someone who knows nothing about you, you can be as open as you possibly can because you're not holding any expectations. There's no judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I guess that's why going to a therapist is very helpful because it's someone who doesn't know you don't doesn't know your past, doesn't know you outside of this little room. And yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to be calling uh, a therapist. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, either one of you guys have anything else you want to uh, add to or talk about uh, mental health uh, in your perspective how you view it going forward and what you help what what you helped uh, this podcast can do I'm hoping that it could just you know bring more awareness to um, mental health um I am in the process of working on a foundation um, for mental illness. Um, I'm hoping that I get it done uh, sometime by next year is the goal um, with everything that I have going on. Just being so busy, uh, busy between trying to get, you know, stand up, up and running and, you know, doing, you know, stuff in my personal life as well. So my goal is just to just to bring more awareness to the issue. I mean, I know it's becoming more known and, you know, um, there's a more of a spotlight uh, being casted on mental illness as a whole. So, you know, I'm just hoping that it, it really, really, really um, shines some more light on everything and and gets people, you know, in the mindset that they can open up and talk about it. So for me, that's the most important thing is just, you know, helping as many people as possible to let it be known that, you know, having depression is okay. You know, if you're not okay, 
you know, it's that's okay as well. Just, you know, shining more of a light on it. That's that's amazing that you've decided to take something of a that's somewhat of a challenge because mental health is a challenge and you're turning it into something that can positively affect people. So you're taking your challenge and getting out there to help people who are like you and who have this illness. That's amazing. And I really do hope that next year uh, that or even sooner that you have it up and running. And by by next year, the uh, 10th of November, uh, November, uh, October, when we redo the third annual uh, mental health podcast that you're able to talk about and we can promote uh, promote your uh, your foundation. Uh, Stephen. Well, I mean, he, he kind of hit a, a lot of the nails on the head with uh, some of the concepts there about it. I, I'm trying to think of anything that I could really add that would be uh, meaningful to anyone. Um, I guess as, as far as my battle, it's, it's always trying to push forward and, and not become complacent because there are times that I can just kind of lose focus and then... Uh, I think when it comes to what I do more than anything is I, I'm a creator. I like to create things. I like to, to create videos and stories and, and, and podcasts and all these things. And that's just who I am. And one mental block that I always seem to get stuck in, and I'm sure a lot of us probably have this, is if something doesn't click, if, if the world isn't seeing it, if the world isn't taking it, then what did I do wrong? As opposed to any other plethora of, of things that have happened in the world, but I take that to heart and I take it in a way that I, I can't wrap my head around. And I've, I've been trying to just push through that. I've actually gotten to the point where I, I've been asking myself, why am I doing this? I'm not doing it for everybody else. I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. So why am I taking it personally? You know, don't, don't worry about how many views and clicks and all that stuff. At the end of the day, am I proud of what I've done? Yes. Does that is that all that should matter? Yes. And if no one in this world sees it, I'm I'm at least I've tried to come to grips and it's every day it's still one of those challenges of, of just trying to continue that that mindset. If if nobody in this world watches anything or listens to anything that I do, fine. But maybe just maybe somewhere down the line, years, decades, centuries after I'm dead, someone finds it and gets joy out of it good you know it's it's done something for someone and if nothing else it's a legacy for my kids my grandkids and and they can see it however many years down the the road or nobody will see it at all i don't know but i've got to get in this mindset that i just it's for me am i proud of it yes done that's all that matters so that's a struggle as a creator that's the hardest mindset to get into it's the hardest thing because you're you pour so much of yourself into each either podcast episode, YouTube video, Instagram picture, you know, tweet, you pour so much of yourself in there and you're like, this is gold. This is amazing. I love it. And Mm -hmm. you see that it gets one or two likes or it gets a view. And when, then you go, Oh, someone viewed it. And then you see the view is like, they stayed 30 seconds on it and it's an hour long video or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I get it. It's that, that mindset. Or if you do a live stream, like you guys will on your podcast, you guys do a live stream every, every episode. And I, 
I don't know how you guys do it and not go crazy knowing that, oh, no one's watching my, uh, no one's in the live stream today or five people are in the live stream when like last week you had 35 people watching and you're like, like how, how, how does that really affect you? Like, do you, do you worry about the numbers or are you just like, they, they will come when they come? Um, for me, I don't really worry about the numbers as much because if we get one or, you know, five or 10 people in the, the audience, um, as far as listening to the streams, um, live, you know, that's, that's five people that could tell five other people. So then the next week we could have 10, you know, so I don't really look at it from that perspective. Like, you know, we need X amount of views, um, you know, especially when I do my stand up. you know, there could be, uh, you know, five or 10 people in the room. If those five or 10 people enjoyed the content that I brought to the stage, you know, they could tell other people. And that's, that's really important. It's just like a word of mouth and, you know, numbers really don't really matter to me as much. Gotta say, you must have brass balls to do stand up with like, mm-hmm. like next to no one in the, in the audience. I did it once. And I, I, I crashed, I bombed, which is normal for starting comedians to do. If you don't bomb on your first set, something either you're, you've planted only your family there and they're, you're paying them to laugh or you're Chris Rock reborn or something along those lines. But yeah, I crashed and burned and I, my hat's off to you. I don't know how you would be able to do, how you do it day in, day out also while battling your depression. Honestly, like when I go on stage, um, I just become like a different person. It's like, I'm not will carry the people that know me in real life. It's like, when I go on stage, I'm just like, will the comedian. And it's like, what you said about the Chris rock thing. Um, it's like, I go from, you know, just being normal. will carry to possibly, uh, Chris rock. Like I go on there. I'm just, you know, I'm like, mother, (laughs) like I just start cursing mother. Like, it's just crazy. Like how I just switch and I curse way more than what I normally would in real life. So it's, it's interesting watch. Okay. Well, guys, I want to thank you both for joining me for part one of the, uh, the pod mates. uh, Are you all right, mate? Um, podcast on mental health. Um, I'm going to leave you guys a couple seconds to talk about one, your podcast, anything you have coming up. Uh, Will, if you have any gigs showing up this coming weekend or anything like that, please uh, pretty much promote yourself is what I'm trying to say. Um, so since we started with Will, we're going to start with Stephen this time. Uh, Stephen, why, why not you let us know all all the stuff you got going on in your kitchen? Uh, currently, right now, we're still in the uh, process of Super Baker Crash Brothers Turbo. Uh, it's on the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. That's where we do all of our podcasts. There are other podcasts on there. Uh, I've actually talked about mental health on a, another podcast I do called As I Recall It, which kind of goes through stories of my life and things like that. So you can go check that out. Um, do videos on YouTube. I uh, just kind of finished off a, a run of re-released shorts from way back when. We're doing 15 years uh, doing YouTube and, and all my stuff that I've been doing. So I've been kind of celebrating that and I'll have a few more videos out before the end of the year. And that's uh, youtube.com slash pencil and paper productions. And will, uh, I'm not doing any, uh, shows currently, uh, as far as, uh, comedy, 
those, but I will within the next couple months in the DC Baltimore area. Um, but you can find me on the Pod Guys podcast as Pod Guys with a Z, not an S. Uh, you can find us on any streaming app like iHeartRadio, iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, Spreaker. Um, basically any streaming app um, there's out th- that there's out there you can find us on. So uh, check me out on that uh, that app. All right. Of course, you can find the links in the show notes down below, as well as uh, listening to the second, uh, the companion podcast that's going to be going on right now in Europe uh, with our European pod mates. I am Phil Better, of course, the one and only from the Phil Better show. Uh, I hope this actually does make you guys feel better listening to this podcast and knowing that you're not alone. And if you need help seek someone out to talk to Uh, don't be ashamed if you have any sort of mental health issues go speak to someone there will be links in the uh, description for uh, most of the uh, helplines in uh, north america maybe if i can find some others there as well i want to thank steven again for joining me uh thank you for opening up uh, about your 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 life with mental illness and uh, your current struggles and your current victories i don't want to thank you for having they're not struggles they're victories because each day is a victory um getting better and better and will thank you for sharing your uh your victories with mental uh, health uh with us here on the podcast and thank you for both being here and you're both great amazing guys and thank you for allowing me to uh share what i'm going through right now i think you guys really did help me And I think this is something that I think everybody should do. Everybody should sit down with a group of people, be it friends or family or even strangers, and just talk because I think that's the best thing we can do to, one, end the stigma and also get help, get, get better. And that's what we need in this world, everybody to be a bit better. Absolutely. Uh, coming up next, you're going to hear uh, from Tony and Jacob. They are uh, both other podcasters. Tony is Will's co-host on the Pod Guys podcast, and Jacob is another fellow podcaster. So just stay tuned for that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the first part of the episode with Will and Stephen and, of course, me discussing our mental illness, our mental health situations. I want to again thank both Stephen and uh, Will for being on the first part. Today, uh, the second part, not today because it's the same day you're listening to this. Um, so on this part, we have Tony and Jacob. Uh, they're both from... Uh, podcasts obviously because we're all podcasters here uh jacob is from the podcast comically seriously and tony is from the podcast guys or podcast guys sorry with will he's uh, they're both co-hosts together and tony actually got will to join us here so i'm very thankful for tony for doing that um so to my left i have tony so i'm gonna let him give us a quick introduction just about himself maybe just an overview of what his life with or dealing with mental illness or how it's affected his life so tony take it away uh definitely i uh my name is tony kaz i am the uh the the main host for the pod guys podcast and of uh of course uh to talk about mental health man i I mean it's a serious serious issue uh one that i i think has touched millions of lives 
across the world, actually. Uh, my very good friend, uh, who who was in the the, the previous uh, podcast, um, will will carry. Uh, you know, I, I I haven't had a personal friend that was affected in a way that he was, so it, it affected me as well. Just seeing what he went through, uh, seeing the trials and tribulations of everyday life and just trying to to affect, uh, you know, what you do, what you say, where you're at, uh, you know, are you leaving your house? Are you, you know, taking care of yourself physically and mentally? It's just, it, it happens to go hand in hand. It's crazy. Yes, yes. Um, it was great speaking with him and just learning about everything he's done, uh, everything he's gone through in the past years regarding his mental health. And I'm, I was so glad that he was able to come on the show and open up to us and open up to, in essence, complete strangers, because both me and Stephen haven't talked with him before. So it was really uh, very interesting getting his side of the perspective. And it actually helped me a lot with what I'm going through presently with my uh, mental health issues. Uh, but we'll go over to Jacob and talk to Jacob about, uh, let him introduce himself, uh, let us know what podcast he's on and all that and how mental health has affected his life uh, currently. So uh, Jacob, take it away. Hey guys, I'm uh, Jacob. I host the podcast Comically Serious uh, with my co-host Travis. Um, and yeah, I, I've, uh, I'm going on my sixth month on Prozac and, uh, Xanax and it's been uh, kind of life changing and has kind of made me a completely different person in a good way. Uh, I, I've I've struggled with uh, a lot of things um, throughout my entire life, things from you know uh, body issues and uh, you know drug drug addiction stuff like that. And uh, man, it's uh, it's really important as you get older, and it's something that I've learned to really take care of yourself, um, not just physically but also mentally. And uh, I think that's <clears throat> something, thankfully, I came to the realization of. And, uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, working to change my life for the better. Excellent, excellent. All right. Um, so in the last part of the episode, the previous part, we did uh, touch on how, uh, for as men, since we're all men here, or I'm not assuming anyone's gender here, but generally we're uh, men here anyways, Um we we notice that there is a large disproportionate uh, uh, about men and their feelings and discussing their feelings and it's growing up at least for myself and probably you as well Tony because we're close in age approximately I would yep. say um, that men men really have been told that we only had when I was younger that we only had like three feelings hungry horny and happy that's it. <laughs> that's all we had and so like we we discussed it how for men it we've we've never had that ability while growing up now it's changing thankfully as there's more uh more spotlight on mental health and mental illness that men always are told oh just suck it up you're a man you know like oh quit quit being a baby like for men it's always like there's like a, not, a lot of negativity towards emotional situations and that obviously can damage your mental health if you're not able to express because we're all always told just to bottle it up just swallow swallow it and forget about it just move on with your day and i was wanting to get your guys opinion on that do you guys uh, agree with that statement that for for men that's that's what 
we've been brought up to believe and is it changing or is it complete you don't believe it at all Tony, you want to go first? Uh, definitely. I, I mean, I, I pulled up a different bunch of different numbers by, uh, N- uh, what is it, Nambi? Nabi. 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 N-A-B-I. Um, and uh, the World Health Organization as well. And uh, the, the numbers are actually really astounding as far as the, the amount and percentage of male to female in uh, mental illness. And uh, the female uh, the female gender actually has forty eight point six percent of the annual treatment rate among U.S. adults uh, with any mental illness by demographic group, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and that actually fo- uh, is followed up by the lesbian, gay, or bisexual group as well, and that's forty eight point five percent. And uh, the male uh, the male group. Uh, ends up being 30 34.9%. Wow. Yeah, um I the little stat that I have off of the Canadian website, uh, the Health Canada website is 30% of females are more likely than males to use health services for mental illness. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh what about yourself, uh Jacob? Yeah, so um I mean, I I grew up around uh uh, in a family that kind of struggled with uh, mental illness, specifically on the male side. So it was always kind of something I was around. Um, but yeah, it, it seems to me, at least from my perspective, that uh, there's kind of a societal, um, I don't want to say pressure, but yeah, I guess it's a pressure for men to um, not think about themselves and think about uh, you know any future family they have. Um, any sort of future responsibilities that they may have. And uh, it's something that seems to be changing um, for the better, thankfully, um, as, as this new generation grows up. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that I I saw my, my own father struggle with. It's something I've seen my grandfather struggle with. Just asking for help, uh, I think, is uh, what it comes down to, that a lot of men are scared to even admit that they have a problem they can't solve themselves. Um, but it seems to be changing, uh, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah, uh, I've noticed that as well, that there's been, since, uh, well, my brother was diagnosed uh, with his uh, his mental illness over 10 years ago, um, and I've seen the change over the years and have actually started noticing a lot more people moving towards like this more positive image and it's less of a stigma associated with it and i I, specifically for men too like a lot of people are like let the like especially young kids when they dress up as like girls or they're getting bullied a lot of people or they dress in dresses or something like that um they're getting bullied a lot of people are coming to their defense and like no let them be them let them experience life however they want which is something different from when i was growing up because the gender roles were very much enforced and if you didn't fit in that gender role of a male you were seemed as like a deviant in essence you were made fun of no one was there to protect you no one was helping you out and whereas nowadays it's like a kid wants to wear you know whatever they want to to school it's fine as long as it falls under the dress code and that I think is a, a, a great thing because mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking on the notes here that I have. Give me one second. It's actually kids who get affected the most. Yeah. 
with mental illness and it's uh yeah it's it's estimated 10 to 20 percent of canadian youth i don't know about the world i have the canadian here are affected by a mental illness or disorder the single most disabling group of disorders worldwide like it's it's insane yeah it is and uh you know going off the back of that that's that's um when i was in high school which uh was several years ago now thankfully uh (laughs) i was in uh (laughs) I was in a traveling theater group. I know. I'm super cool. And, <laughs> I wish I was. Look, I tried to run away. To, to be all fair, I tried to run away to the circus and I was stopped. So the fact that you were in a traveling theater group just calls to my heartstrings yeah, so it much. Was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the, the productions we were doing were a bit depressing. We did an entire production um, based on the lives and uh, stories of kids who had committed suicide because of bullying. And, um, you know, so being exposed to that in high school and meeting the families of, of these kids who, um, you know, so tragically took their own lives, a lot of what I, I seem to have, you know, firsthand experience with, you know, and firsthand stories is that these, uh, young people that are high school age, even, you know, some that are middle school age, um, don't have the... I guess the mature, I I don't want to say maturity as a, as a, as a negative thing, obviously, you know, as you grow up, you mature, not just, you know, physically, but also emotionally and mentally. These kids are just not, um, equipped and mature wise to deal with this world that seems to, uh, want to constantly put them down. Um, and it, it was a, a big thing I saw a lot in high school um, unfortunately, it was something I also saw in uh, college, and it's still something, you know, unfortunately, I see a lot of the times in, in hostile workplaces is that this constant um, need to uh, just be mean. I, get, I, I get, That's the only way I can really put it. I know that sounds a little childish, but um, yeah, it, it really kind of wears you down and... and uh, that well, is not no to, surprise not to cut to in, but that. people fear what they don't understand. It's true, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is absolutely true. And um, I think, as as I said earlier, we are making strides as far as dealing with um, mental health and stuff like that. But but uh, it seems to to me, and this is just you know my own personal opinion, that as the world grows closer, we seem to uh, not be able to deal with each other as well. Um, and I don't know what kind of scientific effect that has on young people, but it's no surprise to me that, you know, you look at some statistics. I don't know if you had said it earlier, but there's statistics that, you know, the amount of people killing themselves are in a certain age bracket. And that age bracket's, you know, on the younger side, which is is unfortunate. It's crazy yeah. that it, it actually falls within the 10-year-old to 34-year-old bracket. Yeah, yeah. I have here the uh, how it impacts the youth, and they have uh, it's the le- suicide is the leading cause of death between fifteen and twenty four year old Canadians, second only to accidents. That means there's four thousand people die prematurely each year by suicide, and it's it's the third Canada's youth rate of suicide or no, sorry, mental health, mental illness. Sorry, um, it's the third highest in the industrial world. Wow, wow. Yeah, wow, so that's crazy. Like, I'm I'm glad that we're able to t- talk about it, and it's it's it, it becoming less and less stigmatized. But there's still 
still so much stigma attached to it. Like, um, Jacob, just going back to something you said, you if it's okay to talk about it, but you mentioned that you saw your father and your grandfather struggle with their uh, mental health uh, situations. Now, did you guys in a family discuss what was going on or did you guys just kind of like ignore it? Yeah, it was, uh, unfortunately, I, I'm the only son, uh, and I also happen to be the middle child, so I have the double whammy of getting I feel uh, you there. Feel the you least there. amount of information distilled to me. Um, I, I know that it was, you know, I, I've known since I was a, a young man that my, my father struggles with bipolar uh, syndrome, like, heavily. Um, I mean, it's it's caused him to lose jobs and, and, and stuff like that, so it was more, not that they avoided trying to tell me for as long as they can um it was eventually to the point where you know it had to be discussed because it was affecting not just my my father's life but you know my family life in general so um yeah it's definitely something that was uh you know hidden to the best of their ability i think just inherently as a parent you want to try to shield your kids um but it's something that can't really be uh you can't shield your kids from all the time you know, or else you're going to end up making things worse almost, you know, so. Now, when you were growing up, were you, when you found out that your father was dealing with uh, bipolar, um, did you hide it from people? Did you feel ashamed that your dad was dealing with this uh, mental illness? I, I just want to get a bigger picture to, yeah. to understand yeah, um, I mean, I, I didn't really. I, I, a good example, of, I, I, I was never really, uh, I I don't ever shut up, I guess. It's, it's, I don't have <laughs> a, a filter, perfect I suppose. Perfect for podcasting. Yeah, perfect for podcasting. I mean, like, my, my father's a pharmaceutical representative here in the United States. So in first grade, for career day, when I was introducing him, I told everyone that my dad sold drugs, which is technically true but uh <laughs> not a great thing to be telling all your first grade classmates that's um, true yeah so yeah it, it definitely um i don't know if I, f- I if if i can think of a particular time i i told them about you know exactly what my dad had but um even friends that came around to my house knew my dad was a was a bit different i mean you can tell when he doesn't there are certain days where he couldn't take his medicine if if you know he was in between jobs and we didn't have the the proper uh, insurance, insurance to pay for the medication and and uh you know so it's it's not making excuses but it's kind of trying to protect his privacy but also explaining you know odd odd behavior I well suppose, what do you, so. what do you guys think of the the stigma attached with cost of uh <laughs> actually going to see someone as far as a therapist or uh some uh, some sort of counselor um I so in the in the first part, uh, I came to the realization that I need to go see uh, a psychologist, a therapist, for what I'm going through right now with the recent breakup with my girlfriend and dealing with all that and how I negatively looked at myself um, in regards to that situation and with the stress coming from my my job and the pressure I put on myself. So I realized, thankfully, with the help of Will and Stephen, that it's time for me to uh, man up and actually call 
a therapist and luckily through my work i, I do have that option that's you know, the employee assistance uh, program which allows you to have conversations either in person or over the phone with a therapist oh, wow. so i will be uh using that and so for a long time i was against it because i didn't want one my fears that there is a lot wrong with me to come come out and then the doctor uh, say that, look, you're going to need to go into a hospital because of X, Y, and Z. And I believe in the States, it's a 302? It is a 302, yeah. Yes! Remembered it right. So <laughs> I didn't want to get a Canadian version of a 302. Um, but at the same time, I was worried because I didn't want my family to feel like my parents and my brother to feel like they failed. Because my brother, through his uh, mental illness... Uh, he's come somewhat attached. I'm somewhat of a rock, a safe point for him. Uh, cause so I didn't want him to feel bad that now I have, I have a mental disorder or not a mental disorder, mental illness or my mental health has been affected. And I know he would worry and he would put pressure on him. So I kind of have been pushing it away because I'm scared that one, I'll disappoint my parents or I'll make my parent not disappoint my parents so much as make them feel like they failed as a parent. Because not yeah. only do they have one child who has a major uh, mental illness, paranoid schizophrenia, it's, it's one of the big ones, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I didn't, want them, I didn't want them to feel that, oh, God, we have a second child. Like, we really did beep. I mean, we really did screw up. Um, Good save. Good save. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> You did. Uh, yay. So I didn't want them to think that they screwed up another child, uh, another child. Right. And that they failed as parents. So like I've, I decided when talking with Tony, uh, with Will and Steven that I will be going to con, con- uh, call, uh, the employee assistance and get the, get the you, help man. I need because I, I'm really, I'm yeah. really proud of you. Good, good job. That's awesome. Thank you. So awesome. I know how important it is. So, Sorry for like taking twenty minutes to explain that. Mm, uh, Jacob, what do you think of Tony's question? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna be real here. I forgot what the question was. Uh, I'm just, sorry. just the cost attached to <laughs> uh, to actually going to see a therapist or a counselor. I mean, a, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of insurance companies, you know, tend to do it through their insurance company. But let's mm-hmm. say you don't have insurance yet, you do have mental illness, and once you get to that point, you know. If you happen to want to see a, a therapist or a counselor, uh, I know that they do have some through uh, church activities. They have some through a uh, through your your, your local, I, at least in the United States, they have a local uh, ther- uh, counseling, uh, like a Scranton counseling, or like uh, you know, like a some some sort of. Uh, city a, a, a city, city yeah. commercial uh, counseling program. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm lucky enough to live across the street. One of my, my very good friends, his mother is actually a, a psychiatrist or psych, whatever the one is that can d- prescribe medicine. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I, I'm one of the lucky, you know, types of people where uh, I don't have insurance currently. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm only 23. I'm still living at home, so. I'd fall under my parents' insurance if they had it, but they don't. So, um, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, talk to my friend's mom and say, listen, I don't know how much I can pay you, but 
you know, can, can I get some help? And she's like, absolutely. You know, so I, I ended up not paying her much, but I paid her what I could. And she prescribed me medicine that's generic, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of, um, it's, it's unfortunate that, um, we seem to live in, in a time again, I don't want to say, you know, this is for sure. This is just my own opinion, but it seems like we live in a time where people are saying that mental health is important. Um, yep. The infrastructure to support, uh, that whole those that are struggling yeah, of course. doesn't seem to be in place. Um, but I know for myself personally, it's also kind of a, a, a double-edged sword to where I put it off for so long um, due to my own, you know, personal demons in my past. And, and drugs were uh, something I was very cautious towards. Just I, I struggled with, with a painkiller addiction and, and stuff like that in high school. So anything that made my mind feel not how it should, I was very wary of. Uh, but it ended up where, you know, I had such a bad anxiety attack i thought i was i literally thought i was having a heart attack um you know coupled with the fact that i was 345 pounds at the time um you know ended up in the hospital i'm still paying off those bills unfortunately but uh that was kind of a wake-up call for me that okay you know my my brain is is so out of whack that it decided to make me feel like my heart was not beating correctly so holy cow um yeah, it was it's definitely a scary situation. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that, unfortunately, I had to go whatever the cost. Right now, it doesn't matter. I need to, you know, get myself right. And um, I, I'm hopeful that we are kind of at a a changing point in in um, the economic system to where we start to support these things that we've been claiming to want to support for a while. Well, I, but, I only said know, that, that question because it's a, it's a, a crazy percentage. It's a 13.4% of uh, U.S. adults with serious mental illness have no insurance coverage. And this was, this was yeah. in, uh, in two, 20, uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with 13.4%, yeah, I mean, that the number is kind of, kind of low on, on, a, on an end. But uh, it's crazy because the amount of people that actually like let's let's take for instance uh, through cultures like your non non Hispanic Asian is twenty four point nine percent non non Hispanic white forty nine point one percent and that that tops out the list uh, black or African American thirty point six percent multiracial. Uh, or mixed uh, mixed races, thirty one point eight percent, and Hispanic or Latino is thirty two point nine percent. And these are people that don't have health insurance. You're saying that have well, uh, just with mental, mental, mental illness uh, per per uh, race oh, per race. Oh, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. Wow. So, wow. I have a, a stat for the economic cost of uh, on the Canadian healthcare system because in Canada we have a single payer oh, yeah. healthcare right. system. Um, so, um, it is estimated in 1998 that mental illness cost the healthcare system in Canada, $7.9 billion. That's 4.7 billion in care and 3.2 billion in disability and early death. Where did I read it? I think the United States can beat Canada finally. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is something you want to beat Canada at, but okay. Listen, Phil, you beat us in the War of 1812. We're going to take what we can get, That's okay? True. Fair enough, and we also beat you guys at the NBA Whoa. Basketball Championships. Go Toronto. Hey, we yeah, just want the Stanley Cup back, true. okay? That's all we want. We'll give you the, uh, what was it? The We just won in tennis, too, I think. Uh, no our Canadian, one cares about that. Canadian beat Serena Williams. So, like, we'll give you guys that back if you give us the Stanley Cup. Um, nah. But, <laughs> but no, yeah. We're going to oh, keep that. Fair. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, in, it's insane how much just in 1998 mental illness yeah. cost. Like yeah. just, uh, there was apparently 1.5 million hospital days in 1999. That's uh, that's a uh, 3.8% of the admissions in general hospitals were due to anxiety disorders, bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, major depression, personal disorders, or personality disorders. Sorry, eating disorders and suicide behaviors. Like this, th- th- this is back in 1999 when. It wasn't that much. It wasn't that talked about, you know. Like it was still swept under the rug. You're like, oh, that's just crazy, oh, Uncle yeah. Jerry. You know, like yeah. mm-hmm. he's he's just special. Uh, just don't don't bother him too much, you know. Like, but nowadays it's like, no, Uncle Jerry unfortunately is dealing with you know bipolar disorder or he's he has schizophrenia. Like it's now at least these words are more commonplace, and it's I, I'm somewhat glad that. It's being talked about because obviously there's such a negative, pardon me, negative um, idea when you say something like schizophrenia or bipolar. Like oh, yeah. these are the big guys. Like these, like you hear that, you're like, that that's a big thing, and everybody's scared. Everybody doesn't know about it. But if you say something like, oh, you know, she has an eating disorder, you're like, it's an eating disorder. Get over it. You know, it's. It's not as big as like schizophrenia. That that person's dangerous. Stay away from them. They're evil. You know, and like in some movies, like this person who has schizophrenia is the major villain. And it's like schizophrenics don't generally hurt people. They yeah. they're more more likely to I'm hurt sure. themselves than hurt anybody else. And like living living with my brother, it it's like I saw it. Like before he was able to get on the his his the proper doses of his medicine, like he used to hit himself and it's like mm-hmm. i used to literally have to lie down on him and hold down his wow. arm so he wouldn't hit himself like but now like the the you you think he's shy that's about it cuz he he is shy because he's worried cuz he's he's seen he grew up with the idea that mental illness is not bad like obviously my family were very open about mental illness we uh <laughs> shout it from the rooftops if we could um, yeah but then they'd probably take us away. Uh, <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, it's like, it affects everybody. Like, yeah, it does. It's, um, I'm just, wait, I read something. Uh, so where is it? Where is it? Where is it? In any given year, one in five people in Canada will personally experience a mental health problem or illness. Yeah. And approximately 8% of adults will experience major depression at some point in their lives. Like, wow. this, is, this isn't something, like, I just, I don't know, guys. Like, yeah. are, we, are we moving towards the right track with I, mental illness? I think so. My hope for this, uh, this podcast is we, we throw these statistics out and they seem um, 
you know, they seem, at least to me, they seem scary uh, a little bit. Uh, just the amount of people that struggle with it. But also, at the same time, it, it kind of also gives me hope, and I hope it gives some people out there hope that, um, you know, you always hear, you'll hear from people, well, you're not alone, you're not alone. But it, it it's the most true statement. Um, you are definitely not alone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's people all over the world, not just in your country. I mean, like you said, even people in, in the Great White North are struggling with the same things that that people, you know, in my home state struggle with. And um, it, it's, it's comforting in a strange way to know that we're all kind of dealing with the fact that we're, you know, dealing with things that we can't understand on a, on a daily basis. I mean, it's a wonder that we're able to do the things that we're able to do as humans. We're able to speak and communicate and create art. I mean, like, the things our brains can do it's no wonder that yeah, sometimes, sometimes they just, yeah. you know, short they, out or, you know, struggle. It, it's yeah. not, it's not any, uh, there's not a supercomputer on the planet that doesn't have bugs and doesn't, you know, run slow sometimes. It's I just mean, the it, way it the, is. The numbers, the numbers and, uh, are astounding. You know, I the, mean, if, if you take a look at anything, uh, you know, mostly, mostly the number one thing is depression. Like depression is the number one mental illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the United States, at least, yeah. uh, where at least yeah. uh, at least for the data that I've seen, I think it's one out of every six U.S. citizens, uh, which is forty-four point seven million people. Wow. Yeah, and then uh, suicide, suicide is actually higher in That's women insane. than, but. Uh, some of the stats are weird because they, they actually say that 75% of all suicide is actually men. I think mm. what it is, yeah, because in Canada it says here the mortality rate due to suicide among men is four times the rate among women. I think it's probably it's probably the more youth. More, uh, youth is probably more female because um, they probably get it because they they're so like I guess their social structure when girls are younger are different than that that of guys. Like guys are just like oh we play sports bah, or something like that. Well, girls they 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 learn to socialize better, and that's why I think maybe their 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 suicide rates when they're younger are higher than guys. But I think in the long term, well, I think a lot of um, stigma goes into it. I, as I well. guess it's like, like uh, especially in the younger. Excuse me, probably from like 13 to 23. I would say that women tend to uh and th- and this is just this is just from what I've seen and what I've read. Most women tend to berate each other as where men in that age range are a little more tougher on each other, like they're more physical than mental. But yeah. women women tend to do a more mental beating mm-hmm, sure. on each other yeah. than a physical beating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just I just read something else like, um, like more than seventy five percent of suicides involve men, but women That's attempt crazy. suicide three crazy. to four times more often. We're just bad at it. Like <laughs> we're just bad. Yeah, we win again. <laughs> I I didn't want to say that. <laughs> It sounds horrible, but it's like yeah, men get it. Like it's it's like men get it right the first time. It's probably the only I thing guess. men get right the first time. Um, yeah, probably. It's probably not the best thing for us to get right the first time. Um, 
but it's ins- it's insane that I, I one I'm glad that one we're doing this converse we're having this conversation about mental illness, like checking in on everybody, making sure everyone's okay, and letting people know that hey, you're not alone. Yeah. Please reach out to anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found like. T- I obviously I I know Jacob. We've podcasted together. Tony, we've podcasted together. Kind of know true. you guys, but you're still technically strangers. But like <laughs> reaching out to anybody, even if it's someone on the internet that you may not know, and you're able just to talk with them, yeah, is amazing. It helps so much. Yeah, it and really does. Like yesterday, uh, not yesterday. In the first part, I like I opened up. Like I hadn't told anybody about what I was dealing with. And it was like, just to Stephen and uh, Will, and it's like, oh my God, this this is a, like great because talking to you guys, you know, like you guys don't have my history, you don't have this this already pre preconceived notion of me from my my whole life. You know me for mm-hmm. a certain section, so me opening up and bringing all this out, I don't feel that I'm going to be judged yeah. in a weird way because it's like. One, it's like, oh well, if you judge me, whatever, you guys are just strangers on the it's internet, true. you know. I mean, like, <laughs> it, it doesn't really affect my daily life. But if I opened not up, necessarily don't know, but like, you know, coming out to a friend, uh, you feel like you would be judged a little more if it were someone that you knew more personal on a personal level than someone that you that you don't. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I think too that, you know. Uh, talking to friends is not always the most helpful because sometimes they have biases, uh, you know, towards oh, true. You know, true, what true. they think nice. is right for you. You know, it's nice talking to somebody that doesn't have a dog in the fight, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very true. Like the only dog in the fight I ha- right now is like to make sure that other people are aware that, Hey, you're good. If you need help, reach out. Cause we're all here for you everybody's going through something and you are not alone at the far far least there's at least someone who has something similar to you what's going on yeah and it's i mean having weaknesses and struggling is nothing to be ashamed of at all it's part of being human it's part of what makes us us you know um and and i hope that's uh, it seems to be that at least for my generation, I, I don't know how much younger I am than you guys, so I don't know. <laughs> You're a good, at least a decade younger. Okay, sweet, perfect. Yeah, so my generation, um, we seem to understand, and this is just from you know the people I've met, we seem to understand that ourselves are important. We're important, um, you know, to others, to ourselves, and that includes taking care of our own brains and taking care of our own emotions. And I hope that's something that the generations to come also realize and also work towards. Yeah. I, I, I do have a lot of hope that generations like after my, my generation, like your generation, Jacob and the generations afterwards, it looks like they're becoming more, it's like more people oriented, if you will, and less, selfish yeah there the empathy towards your fellow man is greater than can be said about the generations like my generation and before like my generation started kind of started it but like it really started seeing it more in the youth like they're really going at it and you you see a lot of kids helping other kids or 
protecting kids who are getting bullied for no reason and like standing up for kids. Whereas I didn't see that much when I was growing up. I was bullied when I was growing up and I know it affected me. Um, uh, and that, so like, I, I, I have a lot of hope that there's a great change instead of the less empathetic generations before us. Like, I don't want to say that the baby boomers like aren't empathetic at all. Like obviously every generation has some people who are empathetic, but I think it's, it's the baby boomer generation is really, they were more focused on themselves and not helping society. Like they were like, what can I get for me? Yeah. Material things. More material and, oh, they didn't talk about mental illness. They didn't talk because it's something that we don't talk about because that's not, that's not normal. It's not. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's weird because my mom used to t- tell me uh, when my brother was ill, she would, she would face this kind of backlash because my mom stopped working to take care of my brother. And people are like, oh, why do you stop working? Your son's going to be fine. Just like give him a couple days and he'll be back to normal but they don't understand like yeah, a major, major mental break. Like my brother isn't the same person that he was before his break. And even when he was younger, like I have a, I don't want to say he's a new person, but like his personality changed, his whole mannerisms changed, but he's still my brother. And Mm -hmm. like people were like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He'll be fine. And my mom's like, would you tell someone with a broken arm just to take off the cast? It's fine. It's going to heal by itself. Yeah. Like his mind broke. Yeah. But people because people can't actually see it, they don't they they don't understand it. Yeah. And luckily my mom's been battling and battling and so like slowly and thankfully like there's uh every January I believe in Canada is Bell's Let's Bell's Let's Talk. Bell is a major uh, telephone TV provider in Canada. And they do, and they have this Bell Let's Talk, and they go hashtag Bell Let's Talk, uh, hashtag Bell on Pal or something like that in French. And for every retweet or every tweet that they see with that hashtag, they donate. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, like five, I think it's five cents every t- retweet. And every view, they have a video now, so every view on that video. And like each year since they started, every year it's been breaking records, I think. Let me just pull up. Bell, let's talk. Um, they've they started in. They started when did they start? They started uh. Twenty January twenty eleven, and so far they have raised. That's a hundred. That's I think it's in the billions. Wow. A hundred a hundred billion. Yeah. Sorry, thanks to your support, Bell is founding now stands at, yeah, 100 billion, or I think it's a billion, I don't know, it's like 100-695-763.75. Wow, that's insane. Uh, dollars. So that's like, that's like $25 different, dollars American, right? Um, different, uh, <laughs> <laughs> slightly more than 25 Yeah, yeah, yeah. How Let's many say, loonies is that? That's a lot of loonies. Uh, but yeah, it's like just like it says here, like 
thousand Canadians supported man. technology based to be honest, like, mental health programs. I, I mean, there's, there's different numbers uh, you can call too if you wanted to reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, that's at one eight hundred two seven three talk, and of course the NAMI helpline as well. Uh, if you wanted to call them, that's one eight hundred nine five zero N A M I. Obviously, everything will be in the links uh, in the show notes so that if you need to reach out in Canada, in the U.S., uh, we'll have that there. Also, our colleagues over in uh, Great Britain, the U.K., they're currently uh, doing a podcast on what they, how they are affected by mental health in their area. Uh, this is obviously the North American version, but you can also just search that. It, some of the, the It will be in the links in the show notes down below. Um, but yeah, I just I just pulled over, and so it's been since it's been eight years. The first year that wow. they did it, they got sixty six million. Wow! And yeah, that's the first year in two thousand eleven, and then last year that's alone, great. it was a hundred forty five million dollars. Good for that. Good. It's that nice to see a company actually giving that's back awesome. to. So, and like, know, what's really for, great for for such a great cause? Yeah. Yeah. And what's really great is like people will like I literally will tweet out to celebrities all over the world. And a lot of celebrities, especially in the U.S., they start tweeting and then you get like there's 60,000, 60 million fans. They're tweeting it so that just compounds so much that it's an amazing feat to see like someone like uh, like Kevin Smith has done it. Uh, I believe uh, Patrick Stewart has retweeted it and that. So it's like really great that you see these like huge stars in essence just join in on it. And so it's an amazing thing. All right. I'm going to give you guys uh, each couple seconds just to talk about your podcasts because obviously – podcasters uh sure. so tony um, if you want to just let the world i am the uh, the main podcast. host from the the pod guys podcast you could uh reach us on uh facebook live every monday at 10 30 at night eastern standard time uh we're on every single streaming service you can imagine uh, uh iheart radio spotify itunes uh spreaker uh, Google Play, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Anything you can think of, we're, we're pretty much on it. But uh, we talk about the, uh, the general knowledge stuff. We like to talk uh, street, dumpster fri- <laughs> street dumpster fires of, uh, of, of the news, man. It's crazy. All right, and Jacob? Yeah, so like I said earlier, uh, my podcast is called Comically Serious. Um, me and my co-host Travis just talk about, um, it's not really a set thing. We usually talk about comics, movies, TV shows, you know, pop culture, anything that suits our fancy. Um, comes out Every episode comes out on Mondays, usually super early in the morning. Um, yeah, super fun. Um, we'd love if you gave us a listen. Excellent. And not only along with this this special episode that's going to be sh- shared on all our, our feeds uh, on October 10th, which is World Mental Health Day, we are also raising funds for the uh, organization called SANE, which is a UK-based organization that works to improve the quality of life of people affected by mental illness through free, confidential, emotional support for anyone. 
the initiate researches into serious mental illness and campaigns to increase awareness. Um, so you can find that link at the top of the show notes. Uh, it's or go to justgiving.com, search Podmates. That's P O D M eight with an S, and you should be able to find us. Uh, we have a target of reaching 1,300 pounds. I don't know what that is in Canadian or in American, but I'm guessing it's slightly bigger for Canada and slightly lower for uh, American dollars. True. I think it works out to $1.35 American. That's about half a Christmas ham. Yeah, that's half a Christmas ham. (laughs) Yeah, because... That's how you guys measure things with weird, yes. <laughs> weird things. Um, but yes, please do go ahead and donate. Donate a dollar. Donate a hundred dollars. Whatever you guys you can spare. Yeah. This is going to help people um, in normalizing uh, the discussion around mental illness. Uh, I want to thank both Tony and Jacob for coming on discussing how mental illness has affected their lives. Um, I want to again thank uh, both. Sorry, both Stephen and Will as well for being on. Guys, thank you for uh, joining me in this discussion around uh, mental illness. And yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, don't be afraid to uh, don't be afraid to get help. Like we said, you know, yes. there's, there's plenty. There's places to reach out to. There's people to reach out for, out to. Don't be afraid, and uh, just kind of grab it by the horns. You know, just accept accept the accept that there's people out there to help. Mm-hmm, Every sure. the, never be ashamed of dealing with a mental illness because there is someone else in the world that's dealing with it as well and they're getting help and so should you don't yes. don't push it off get it as soon as possible um, so that you can you can get better because it, it, there is a light at the end of the tunnel it's sometimes could be a long tunnel could be a short tunnel but there's always light at the end of the tunnel and you can definitely definitely yeah be, be I, I, I be want I wanted to say something too. This is uh, just for people out there that are struggling with addiction, um, which which is a, is a mental illness in and of itself. It's yes. something I've gone through. Um, it may seem like the addiction you're in right now is the only thing that's keeping you um, from collapsing, but as somebody who's made it to the other side and gone through the terrible uh, struggle to get sober, uh, being sober is the greatest thing you can do for your mind. Um, so anyone out there that is struggling with addiction in ge- in, in general, um, there's a lot of help out there for you. Um, and it's, it is something that is absolutely worth doing, uh, f- for making yourself feel better. So, um, yeah, don't, don't hesitate to reach out to people. If you even have an inkling of thought of maybe this isn't what I want to be doing with my life anymore. Um, there's there's lots of support out there for people struggling with addictions and uh being sober is awesome so kudos brother no better way i i don't have anything to add that can top that so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening and uh make sure you're all right mate yeah <laughs>